Hey, it's Aaron back here with Jim for another Bald Move Commission podcast. Uh, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, the Commission podcast, you can find out how to do that at baldmove.com slash shop. Uh, this one is uh, pulled down by Tim Michael, a native Australian with Australia's own 2011 uh, Animal Kingdom, directed by David Michaud. <laughs> Michaud. My, my code, me code, I have no I, idea. It's got a that. couple umulets. I it's am French. Helpless. He's Australian. It's, it's an ossified French name. <laughs> I, 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 I'm helpless before its power. Uh-huh. But. It's excellent. I mean, we've had a lot of diamonds in the rough. I feel like calling it that is damning it with way too much faint praise. Like, I was blown away when watching this movie to the extent that normally I'm taking notes when we're doing these commission podcasts while I'm watching the movie, you know, stuff I want to talk about. <laughs> uh-huh. I realize like 40 minutes in, I completely, you know, I stopped taking notes like 10 minutes into the movie. I never even wrote anything down. I was just <laughs> captivated by it from the start. And like, it was weird too because it was completely unexpected. I I went into it not knowing anything about it. Yep. Other than like here. a very brief synopsis. And here's you know? the thing about titles: like I hear Animal Kingdom and I see uh, Guy Pierce uh-huh. on the cover, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> okay. literally, if someone hadn't paid me to watch this movie, I never, ever, ever would have watched it. And yeah. it's awesome. In fact. Uh, I want to. If you haven't seen this before, I really want to urge you to just stop right now and watch it because, as much as I like this movie, I think that it's one of those things where it's kind of an irreplaceable first watch. Hmm. If you go okay. in there completely blind, there's going to be some things that just kind of make you gasp. Mm-hmm. Um, not in like the six sense twist way, but just you know, this movie's real. Yeah, it's uh, it's moody and it's deliberate and it's. Uh, a lot of the things that d- don't feel like I would really be captivated by, but it, it's it's, an, it's an Australian crime film in the same way that like Goodfellas is a American crime film mm-hmm. and like Rock and Rolla is a British crime film. These things yeah, are kind yeah. of like, you know, this David McClure. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he's he's hung a shingle out in the same way that like a Coppola or a... Uh, Scorsese, yeah, uh, or a Richie has done. Like he could mm-hmm. make films in this kind of universe, uh, this gritty kind of Australian crime universe, and I will continue to watch them. Uh, yeah, I I guess we should start actually talking about the film now. That we've sufficiently said for real. You can't see this on Netflix, <laughs> but it's like four bucks rent in high def on Amazon, yeah, um, or iTunes. And I encourage you to do that right now. Shut it off. We'll still we'll wait here for you. Yeah, so it's made in 2010, released in 2010, and it's... Oh, uh, I thought it was a 2011. I fucked that up. I, I think it's 2010. It's what IMDb says, so I just totally okay. fucked that up. Um, And I don't know what they've done since, but I mean, this David guy is part of... I wouldn't call it a troop necessarily, but it's a group of friends who kind of grew up doing things together with like short films and stuff, and it's called the Blue Tongue. They're called Blue Tongue. Really? Whatever that is, yeah. So I don't know what else they've done together, but... I kind of am interested in going back. A bunch and of, yeah, I was going to say there's a bunch of films I've never seen before. The Is Rover, there anything after Bear. This? Yeah, those are two. Okay. The Rover just came out last year. Uh, Hesher, Netherland Dwarf. Uh-huh. I love Sarah Jane. Spider Crossbow looks kind of cool. I love These Sarah are Jane. Shorts. I heard is like a zombie thing. Uh, oh, interesting. And they're all shorts too. And yeah. so he was the writer for Netherland Dwarf. I love uh, Sarah Jane and, and Spider. Um, director, his directing credits. 
Uh, ooh, is he directing War Machine? Is that a Marvel movie? War Machine? Yeah, it says hmm. it's a comedy, so I doubt it's a, it. It's a movie about war gamers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing die for the enlightened. Um, there's a couple things. Yeah. He, so whatever. Yeah, I definitely want to revisit this guy's work because uh, I think this was his directorial debut, and it, it was is, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was his first full-length feature film. most of the times when I'm doing research on these, I read the reviews, you know, and just kind of get the positive reviews. I actually Mm -hmm. went and drilled straight to the negative reviews because I'm like, what am I missing? It's kind of tough to find a really negative review of this film. And the ones I did, I feel like whether this movie works or not, I think hinges largely on what you think of the lead performance of Jay uh, by James Freshville. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Again, it looks it's it's got a little francophile stench on it. Um, and I thought he played a teenager the way I think a teenager would behave in this situation, where you know yeah. his mother is you know clearly some kind of drug addict, and he's probably been neglected and hasn't had a whole lot of socialization, and now he's thrown into this this crime family. In fact, there's this one. Um, there's this one line he has where he says, you know, I'm just a teenager. This it's like I didn't think I was doing anything incredible or anything unusual. This is just the place I was at and this mm. is what I was doing. And I thought, yeah. man, that is your teenage years to a T. Like it was certainly mine. Yeah. If, if you're like a lower class income or status class teenager then whatever town whatever shit that the kids get up to in the town that you're in Mm -hmm. and whatever you know wild hair the friends that you follow get up to that's kind of what you do it's not a statement of you as a person so much as the circumstances you find yourself in sure and i thought that was really incredible and he's like a powder keg because i i think if you check out on his performance halfway through the movie you're not going to be open to like when the dam finally breaks. Yeah. With Nikki. Yeah. But it, it totally does when he goes over to Nikki's family's house after she's dead and realizes all that, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought that was again, exactly how I think a teenager, his age and his circumstances would react. Yeah. I found his, you know, lack of emotion uh, in these different scenarios as completely plausible. Um, given the neglect that he must have experienced sure. with his mother. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I was going to this, and I'm expecting, I'm thinking Australian movie, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Here we go. We're going to have it's gonna be some, some ridiculous over uncle. the top. Uh-huh. Yeah, we just came off sure. of uh, whatever that movie was called. With gonna, Kate there's going to be some bad wigs, some questionable facial hair, uh-huh. <laughs> some interesting fashion choices. Sure. Uh, just a, a lot of over-the-top behavior, and that wasn't true at all. Yeah, no. This is a much more like a personality family focused movie. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that it focuses on a crime family. Right. Um, and I kind of think it's brilliant that we don't see their crimes. Yeah, no, no. I think that takes the focus squarely away from the, the crimes themselves and um, puts it on the people. It is. I think that's a, the other kind of critical take I saw a lot of. Well, not a lot of, but the five or six you know, top critics that, that pan this, this it's interesting because, um, so this is like a 94% fresh on rotten tomatoes, but I was yeah. a little scared because when we queued it up on Amazon, it had like a 3.7 rate user rating out of five out of five. Yeah. And I'm like, 
you know in Amazon, like if something's not rated above four, it might as well just be garbage <laughs> just because of the uh, way the internet rates stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be an interesting flick. But no, I I can see how a lot of people would watch this. And if you're not if, – if it you don't have the right taste or the right maturity and, and uh, you know, yeah. if you haven't built up, you know, if, if you haven't built up to like, uh, you know, IPA beer – <laughs> type of taste in movies uh, or like an espresso coffee taste then this is probably going to taste bitter or if you've been boring. set up with like the wrong expectations right yeah oh, it's it's a movie about a crime family oh yeah go is, into it thinking like this fucking, is going to be lock stock and two smoking barrels in yeah, australia yeah that's not what this is no, no not even not. close um it is not that kind of entertaining <laughs> No, but it is. It is. I think the best word for it is captivating. I mean, yeah, it's it's very watchable. It's it's a slow burn. It's very rare you see a two hour slow burn movie, um, but that yeah. actually works. And I think this this one does. Damn, yeah, we're still and, not really talking about the movie. Well, and so what do you want to talk about the plot? I mean, I was going to talk about you the know setting how it is uses good too, violence. because because that's the other thing is like most of the crime dramas we've seen have been like inner city crime. Yeah, this is suburban suburban crime. Uh-huh. Like they meet in a fish store for God's sakes. Like <laughs> I grew up around the you know like Uncle Bill's pet shop. Like sure. that's 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 the place, man. And they're doing drug deals and meeting with police informants there. And I thought that was kind of quaint. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of low stakes shit they get up to, like, you know, dude cuts you off in traffic. So as a rite of passage, make Jay get out and confront him with a gun just for a giggle. Like that stuff is great. So, you know, that low stakes angle is interesting because I never quite in this film, I I understand that these, this is a crime family and that Mm -hmm. maybe they're kind of, you know, not totally on their way out, but they're being hunted obviously Mm -hmm. by the police. And it seems like the stakes, um, are getting lower and lower. Like they're sliding out of power here. Yeah. Because there's some line where she mentions like, Oh, you know, the halls we've been getting are like 9,000. Cause can you even afford to throw me a grand or something like yeah. that? And you get the sense that this is a family on decline. Yeah. Uh, but both, you know, because they're being hunted, but also just crime doesn't pay as well as it did before. Their, and I, their particular armed robbery brand. <laughs> At what point I wrote in my notes, oh, this is the rare criminal that gets out at just the right time. Right. And then you get, and then my, <laughs> the next line says, nope, shotgun. Uh, so, uh, it's yeah. hard to get out of the life of crime at the right time. But I feel like, yeah, they, they were very, but that's, the, I guess that's where I got sidetracked. This, the other criticism is people didn't understand where they were. Like, what is this uh-huh. family actually notorious for doing? And it's oh, weird because, hmm. you're, yeah, like, okay, they're that. kind of bank robbers. They're kind of drug dealers. Do, how much money do they have? How much? They've got one crooked cop. Are they like, you know, uh, Michael Corleone powerful? And that's yes, the and thing that's, that's the problem I had with it, too. You don't ever actually learn how powerful they were or and f- are. And as you said, as their sl- family slides down in mm-hmm. scale of power, somehow their reach throughout the movie seems like it gets, like, bigger and bigger. Like, to the to the end where it's like, man, there is... Hmm. It's it's hard for me to believe that a slow stakes kind of mid level gangster family has access to some of the power that they are flexing towards the end of the film. But on the other hand... You can excuse a lot of that by just saying, well, you don't really know. And it's That's not true. super yeah. important to the plot. That's true. And I, it, for me, it didn't feel necessarily like they had a lot of inroads. It really only felt like they had this one dirty cop, right, who was who was at the fish store. Um, and, and they, they he, leaned I mean, on when he him. They put that pressure ra- on him. And when he staged that raid to uh-huh. 
you know, on the witness protection program. I just, that was a little bit of a reach for me. I get it, but that wasn't, you know, the crime family didn't have anything to do with that other than saying, hey, if you don't get this guy out of here, you're going to be in trouble too. And then they just kind of let him take it. So, True. so really it's, it's him that has the power to go stage this raid. Now, if they had said, okay, we're going to, you know, work our other contacts inside and I don't know. It's, it seemed like he was the one touchstone that they had inside the organization. But nothing actually top. came of that either. Like there didn't seem yeah. there was any consequences to it. But again, I think you can excuse that by saying that's not really the point of the movie. And no, the greater point there is his grandmother's trying to kill him. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. the mo- most important thing. And he's, there's nobody he can trust. and He's trying to find his middle way, which I thought was yeah, another yeah. brilliant conceit, uh, that this kid's like, I cannot trust the cops to protect me. Uh huh. Because, you know, and that's the other thing I really love is seeing, uh, cause that's not something you really get in a Guy Ritchie film. That's like criminal on criminal violence. It's not like, yeah you know, corrupt cops and all that stuff. I like that it's not just America <laughs> where sure cops uh, can fabricate evidence and, and shoot people on site. And like, you know, there's not any of these complexities of race and all that. It's just straight up, you know, cops and robbers blasting each other in the street. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's interesting. It is definitely. And it, it's like, it provides an ambiguity um, to, kind of the good guy, bad guy thing that the the whole film has really, well, right? Plus, the whole film is ambiguous. And, and I think casting uh, Guy Pierce in the role of the quote-unquote good cop was brilliant because, like, I'm probably 75% of the movie, through the movie, before I really g- understand if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was a particular scene of him chilling with his family, and I remember he had a kid that his 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 kid has Down syndrome, and I'm like, okay, he must be good. Uh, he's the one good <laughs> okay. cop on the Melbourne cop force, and he is, police force. You know. But guy, but he's the type of guy who can play mm. heroic and yeah. villainous, and he's done both in his career and antihero. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of, um, you know, Hugo Weaving. I guess, yeah. Is this the same? Is it is is tra- or, uh, the Mule that we did a short uh, silent film on? Mm-hmm. Is this kind of in the same genre of Aus- true Aussie crime? Like as as far as ambi- ambiguity, because goes, there you had like, cops doing a bunch of shady. Sh- that was based on a true story. You did, and you had bad cops who were just trying to do good. Yeah, like y- using less than uh, perfect means, like uh, tools that shouldn't be in a cop's arsenal. Right to affect positive change or, or arguably, catch a criminal. Arguably. Yeah, yeah. And then you had just plain up dirty cops who looked like they were good. And, and I think, again, you cast Hugo Weaving in a, rule, in a role and that's saying, like, this guy could be Lord Elrond or he could be Agent Smith. Yeah. And you're not going to find out until the end of the movie, perhaps. And <laughs> that, I, I, I think that's really smart casting because I really wasn't sure. Like, man, Jay... Should you like that's like I throughout the film I'm debating like should you go to the cops should you carry this weight like a man how what is the best like when the lawyer was yeah. giving him that speech midway through the movie I'm like of course of course that's what you do don't say anything but then his uncle Pope which we need to talk about oh God we need to talk about Ben Mendelsohn you, you yes. knew about this going in because you'd watched Bloodlines yeah on Netflix uh huh and he plays. A similarly disturbed character, I would say. I was not prepared uh, for. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of level of villainy before. It's so understated, right? It's like 
Normally when you see some kind of psychopath or sociopath, yeah. it's blatant and it's on their face at all times and yeah. it's in their eyes. But I mean, there's a little bit of the paranoia you see from like an Avon Barksdale or a Marlowe uh-huh. uh, Stanfield from The Wire. But there's also just an unhinged quality where like, you know, and they do so many great things like the fact that he's kind of perving on Jay's girlfriend, Nikki, and he carries her into his bedroom. Man, what a scene. Uh, and then they echo that back after he smothers her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he carries her to, like, I don't know what he just threw in the garbage or what. Like, in he's not trunk? a great... I don't know. He's not a great criminal. No, it doesn't seem like Pope it. seems like the guy... Like, I feel like this family was fucked as soon as the Baz character, who was... You've seen this guy... Joel, tons of things. Joel Edgerton, yeah. Yeah, he the thing that I finally remembered him from was he played um a role in Baz Luhrmann's remake of uh, The Great Gatsby. Ah. Yeah, I went uh, through his IMDb and apparently he's uh, Uncle Owen. Uh, Uncle Owen in from the, the prequels. prequels. A much chubbier faced <laughs> Uncle Owen. So that's where I recognized his face from, but I couldn't place He was it. in the Warrior film, um the box or MMA film uh with uh oh shit, I've drawn a blank on the guy who plays Bane, Tom Hardy. Uh, huh. So he's been in a lot of stuff, and you will recognize his face. But when he dies, which is a very abruptly, and your first instant, your first um, heads up to hey, the cops are, are are dirty in this film. I feel like that's when the family got flushed down the toilet. Yeah, he he was. You know, he's talking to Pope, saying, "Hey, you should get out of this stuff. You can get into the stock market." Mm-hmm. And you know, as kind of funny and tongue in cheek as that scene is it gives you a very good indication of who he is and what mm-hmm. he wants. And I think he's, the you know, smart he's, one. he is the smart one. His brother, Craig, I think is his name is uh, just crazy. He's out there doing drugs. Well, so did you get and, the fact that he's not a, the a brother? He's the only non-family oh, member. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Baz is the only f- friend of the family. Right. 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 So like Pope is in, in is psych. He's a psycho and kind of an idiot and he's paranoid. Uh, mm. Craig is a do a goofball. And Danny, is that the youngest Darren. one? Darren. He is just a baby-faced follower. Yeah. He's like he doesn't want any part of this necessarily, but he goes along to get along. He goes along to get along, and it 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 does not does not really work for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, I thought that the family was screwed. The other thing I want to talk about is the performance of the grandma Smurf. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, Jackie. Jackie Weaver. Like, I haven't seen a criminal matriarch like this since, like, Mags Bennett, season two, Justified. Yeah, she, she's she's real good. She's incredible, and she starts off like you just think she's oblivious. She's like one of those mothers that, like, kisses her boys full on the lips inappropriate. Yeah, like, it's, it's bordering on very inappropriate. Yeah, I, I'm like, what is the deal with having, like, I've... You know, we just got this with uh, True Detective Season 2. We got it with uh, the early goings of Boardwalk Empire. Like, these <laughs> mothers having sex, their sexual relations yeah. with their kids, man. We've got a fucked up audience, man. They like this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm saying, like, that's just in the culture. Latin incest seems like the new kind of just, like, if we want to go unhinged, we're just going to have... Mothers fucking uh, sons and daughters fucking well, it's fathers and it creeps people out. So. It certainly it it does it does. Uh, so I read or sorry I didn't read I watched an interview with Jackie Weaver where she was talking about this, um, kind of tangentially, and she said that this is so. First of all, the thing you need to know is that all of these brothers are from different fathers, which. <laughs> 
I didn't get from the movie, but yeah. that's what she says in the interview. Um, and they all have a different look too. They do. Yeah, they're all very different looking. Um, but she says that she's never really had her character has never really had like a normal, healthy adult relationship with a man, and so the boys are kind of a replacement for that. Like not mm. not a hundred percent, not not sexually necessarily, but just little echoes affectionately. Of, you know, yeah. she she desires that affection that she can't get anywhere else, and it comes across as a little creepy. Yeah. Uh, but no, she starts off kind of like, at, you're just thinking she just does, she's completely in denial about what her boys are getting up to. And then by the yeah. end, you realize she's the goddamn devil. Yeah. She's the madam. You know? She is the devil, man. I, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's like, I think I actually realized that she was completely insane, uh, when she talks about the last time she saw, uh, Jay's mom. Mm-hmm. That they were fighting over a game of 500, the card game. Mm-hmm. And she started this argument with her daughter because she was trying to play Joker in a no Trump hand, which whatever. Uh-huh. And that was like, that's it. You know, that's why you don't speak to your daughter. And I've had similar experiences with my dad. Sure. Where, you know, you get into heated arguments during <laughs> no, no, a game. Sure. They don't end relationships necessarily. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you find out that they're, you know, daughters, you're involved in heroin and she's got the son and, you know, sure. they're, uh, yeah, I... And there's the other thing, like this first scene in the movie where you see this kid sitting next to this, his mother, you guess, on the couch, just looks like she's dozed off and they're watching and you find out that no, actually she overdosed on heroin and he called the paramedics and he's just waiting yeah. for them to show up. And they're playing, the the show's showing Let's Make a Deal, the Australian version. I thought that was, okay. in retrospect, a really great framing device hmm. because this family essentially has played one suitcase too many. Okay, they'd stopped at one suitcase. Oh, is it deal ago. or no deal? Is that? I thought it's let's make a deal. That's one you got. Isn't all... that the three doors and you? Oh, is that it? Deal or no deal? Okay, it's the one with I the think... twenty suitcases. I think it's deal or no deal. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, they're watching that, and I thought that was interesting because even on, you know, you don't know it because it's the first five minutes of the film, but they're talking about like, you know, that's a lot of money. Are you sure you want? And there's, you know, she of course hmm. pushes ahead like they always do, and ev- they lose yeah. everything. Yeah, that that opening scene is super effective for setting up Jay, I feel. Like, you know, he's... <laughs> you can just imagine the life he's had. If this is where it ended, imagine the journey. And, and that, to me, sums up Jay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean... Because at the early goings, it's like, okay... His mother was a heroin addict and died of an overdose right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his family looks like they're criminals, but kind of the criminals that, you know, there's this mention of the Uncle Pope, and he might be a scary figure, but I actually liked all the guys. I thought a lot of this stuff was, you know, kind of feel-good criminal type of thing. Like, okay, you know, they've robbed banks or whatever, but, you know, they haven't really hurt anybody, and... Mm-hmm. They seem like they get along in kind of a roughhousing, you know, yeah, family yeah. kind of dynamic way. And and I felt like, okay, well, I'm going to see Jay turn into like, you know, a Michael Corleone second generation criminal type mold. And maybe I did. Maybe you did. Because I'm not sure. We I want to talk about the end near the end. But I have a lot of questions about that. Well, Tim, Tim also, I think, because uh, he sent us some pre-feedback and uh, he talks about that stuff, too. But. 
it's interesting to see him like fall in love with a girlfriend for the first time and all that stuff felt real like the first time you taste mm-hmm. like love and get that into your hormone system and how <laughs> heightened that it is and then you've got this criminal enterprise to go with it and you know the whole time this guy is, this kid is just trying to do what he thinks is the right thing given the circumstances he's in and again you got to keep in mind his thing where he says, this is where I was, this is what I was doing. He's not really a criminal, he's not a bad guy, he's not a good guy, he's just being formed by all these things. Yeah. And I, I just... And it seems like maybe at the end he comes out with an opinion, one way or another, but we'll get there. Um, I did want to mention quickly that this is based on a real story. Get the fuck out of True here, story. really? Yeah, that happened in Australia. Uh, it's called The Walsh Street Killings. Uh, if you go look it up, it's almost exactly identical to the plot of this film. Wow. Which is, you know, police went and killed some some people in uh underworld crime family. They <laughs> set up this exact operation on them where they left a car in the middle of the street. <laughs> Cops show up and they kill them. That sort of thing. I mean, yeah. So you're saying that this new wave Aussie crime drama thing that I'm talking about is essentially just Aussie version of Cops. Like they exactly. could just set up a, they could just get a film crew yes. to do this, and boom, it plays. <laughs> uh, that's kind of incredible. Uh, that was my first real sense that this family is crazy. Like, what's that with with the the they, setup for the cops? like? Okay, there's a crooked brand of narco's or you know major crimes units that's running around and, and busting people. So your act of retribution is to get two just random patrol officers and brutally murder them. Yeah, indiscriminate revenge. Yeah, that is that that's insane. And it did nothing except for bring more heat on you. Yeah, I mean what are you going to do? Take out the whole police force? I mean that's in the other thing like there is there wasn't a lot of connections made between that and I thought it was a little convenient that Guy Pierce showed up and like, you know, hey, we're arresting everybody to, you know because we suspect you have something to do with this. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that either. That, but that seemed a little suspect. On the other hand, we also knew that it, they had wiretaps on this family, and mm-hmm. not just on this family, but like on second and third layers of the family. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that made more sense. Like if they'd been hearing their phone conversations throughout the movie, or that they've been listening to things that they thought were private conversations. In fact, now that I think about it, that's the obvious answer. They just had their their bug their houses and their cars and their phone lines all bugged, and they were just building a case against these people. Yeah, and maybe that can be used as evidence for the case that this family is bigger than. Because yeah, how I else would they know thought. that like Baz was meeting Pope that one day? Yeah, they had to have yeah. some some inside information. So yeah, that's that actually makes sense now. Yeah, and when you combine you know the the wiretaps, the bugs with. Um, you know, the idea that they're being hunted and that armed robbery is being especially pursued. It it feels maybe like these people are more important than we give them credit for. But it's weird because the there's no... I mean, you get a little of that with Goodfellas that they're like, you know, these gangsters are living in just kind of like shitty tract housing. Okay. But they've, they're flashy, you know? They got nice cars, yep. they got nice clothes. And the Corleones, they live in these, these mansions and there's like obvious trappings of power and Scarface. I mean, my sure. God. <laughs> Every fucking M- does it get? MTV Cribs episode is, is based <laughs> on, on what you see in the film. Uh-huh. These guys are living in shitty tract housing, but they're just wearing like, you know, Motley Crue t-shirts and jeans. And they're just like, there is no obvious signs of any real power or money there other than yeah. Baz, who's got you know, money in the stock market that he's he's stacking up because uh, mm-hmm. he's, again, the smart one. But 
Yeah, there's a lot of these. The film just expects you to to swallow its assumptions and go along with it to have a good time. And I guess if you don't, or you have trouble picking up those assumptions, or again, if you do not connect with the performance of the fresh Freshville character, yeah, Jay, uh, then you're probably not going to enjoy this film. But if you can. I'm not going to say look past because I don't think they're flaws. No, if they engage you, it's so much as if these if you pick up these lines that they're putting down, then, you know, it's incredible. And the more I'm talking about, it, it's like this film doesn't see like I'm, I don't feel like I'm describing a film that's like just this intense, cerebral, psychological, watchable flick. But it sure it is like I'm I'm doing a disservice to this film. Somehow. Well, OK, so let's talk a little bit more about what we what we liked and less about the plot necessarily. Okay. Like, the the way it develops its characters is super efficient and very um, understated. You know, like th- there's there's a moment where they're talking about Pope. Like I don't even think we've been introduced necessarily. Yeah, to Pope. Pope is a mystery for like the first thirty minutes of the film, and every time yeah. a new face, we're like we we are both like, is this Pope? Is yeah. this Pope? Yeah, you start hearing about Pope, and he gets this reputation even before he's on screen. And then we finally met Pope. We debated whether that was Pope <laughs> or not, because it's uh-huh. like, okay. <laughs> and, and then, so there's a line where he's talking with, um, what's her name? Smurf. I'll just call her that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, are you are you off your meds? Have you been taking your meds? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that gives you an insight into this character without seeing any of the stuff that you're thinking right so like you get an idea that okay he has this this history of mental illness maybe he's a little unhinged yeah it adds a a whole sopranos level like this guy went to therapy and he saw a psychologist and they prescribed the medication and and you really start getting a texture to that character that you're never shown it's just a one-off comment that isn't even necessarily about the history of that character which i really like and the, the subtlety of everything and kind of the ambiguity helps too, you know, when you, mm-hmm. when you see stuff like him carrying that girl, Nikki into the bedroom and just standing there looking at her, what is he thinking? What, yeah. what, what is he going to do there? If Jay doesn't walk in, right? Nothing good. I don't think I, I can't imagine it would be anything good. Yeah. Uh, anything that she would like, but, but you, those questions are super important. And I feel like that's the thing that I love about this movie is, both that moment there there's another moment at the end where he's hugging his grandmother that you also have similar questions um right after he kills pope sure uh and i keep whenever i hear the name pope i keep thinking of pope from uh falling skies and it's really <laughs> screwing with me <laughs> not as much gravitas with that with that pope no not as god much intensity. no um d- do you want to talk about the end should we go let's there let, let's read um let's read Tim's comments and then we can start talking about it because he's got like three paragraphs and then we can I, I don't want to step on his toes but okay he's going to usher us into the end game here it goes what I recall from the film is a real sense of growing tension and dread from the moment Baz is killed it's like a powder keg this is personified in the character of Pope Pope isn't physically intimidating but he is one scary dude he's intense paranoid manipulative and just fucking creepy did you find that oh what, yeah. What's he thinking as he's watching and listening to Air Supply? Is the song even registering in his mind? Uh, you know, that's the thing. Like, I often wonder what it's like to go into the mind of a really paranoid person. Because these thoughts are not logical. Mm-hmm. But when you live in a world where you are being bugged, etc. Yeah. What is the lines between what's logical and what is, you know, normal precaution and what's not kind of get mm-hmm. blurred. 
So, you that, know, that idea that, you know, you're it's not paranoia if they're really out to get well, you. Well, would you think would you go to the mental illness angle if it wasn't for that conversation with his mother? No, probably not. That's interesting because like as portrayed most of the big gangsters kind of are mentally ill, especially uh Hendry from Goodfellas. I mean, by the end of that movie, he's a fucking mess. He's yeah. a lunatic. Yeah. In fact, I still I've seen that movie like a half a dozen times. I still don't know the were that's with that helicopter real? Were they really <laughs> out to get him or like, you know, uh-huh. it's like when they flushed the drugs, was that something they had to do or I yeah. So I, I that that conversation kind of frames us thinking that he's just like the bad seed in the family, but then again, his yep. mother is clearly, I think, nuts. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out how much, especially the way it's like she's got the Reba McIntyre like wide eyes and like the oh yeah, like the chilling, almost mask like smile when and she's the the painted on uh, expression, like the constant painted on expression of surprise and or something else there's something menacing about those eyebrows that i can't quite put my finger yeah, on the fact that they're painted on she's uh-huh. i mean i draw a lot of comparisons to mags bennett but mags bennett always seemed like this ruthless intelligence yeah whereas smurf not certainly ruthless and more intelligent than you'd think mm-hmm. but it's more like an ant i guess an animal kingdom thing it's more of an animal like mama cub like yeah, this stuff comes because she's a she bear looking after her her just you know monstrous cubs. Yeah, I I get the impression that she wouldn't have been in this life of crime if not for the criminal nature of her. You kids. know, that's what it is. Mags was aware that her sons were a bunch of disappointing fuck ups that she is going to have to eventually die and leave this family to this decrepit state. Yeah. Whereas Smurf is in complete denial about how worthless her her children are yeah she kind of lets the the idea of family cloud her judgment yeah a little bit yeah um but is very protective um he goes on tim does i find the movie makes great use of dull and mundane everyday aspects of suburban life i'm thinking of the game show on tv at the start uh janine dunking her tea bag which that's smurf we've been referring to her and josh scraping his toast the nightmare world of this family (laughs) is just as routine true enough uh, I also saw Pope as the rogue cub who threatened the survival of the pack with his reckless leadership. Unless another cub stepped up and took him out, he'd bring them all down. After that happened, what's next? With Pope out of the way, does the family go straight, or does Josh take over and continue down the criminal path? It's a tough question. I think it's left open-ended. My hunch is that mm-hmm. Josh and Darren are more likely to go straight. So one of the things I thought from the end of the film was I'm not so sure that Josh wasn't giving Smurf the old Marcus Aurelius oh, no. uh, gladiator treatment. Uh-huh. Like that that hug, it seemed like it could just as easily be a smother. And the way she was holding her hands at the end, like the way that when it, when it cuts to black – I you know I feel like you know Inception where it's like you know it cuts to black just as the 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 top is starting to 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 wobble yeah and there's a debate about whether you know was she about to start to struggle was she about to lose consciousness something about that <laughs> I don't know because I feel like she is the root like there's no way he can get away with blowing Pope's brains out mm-hmm. and their home uh, with her still alive. I'm really struggling with the end of this as far as what I think 
is going on. Because Pope sits down and says, well, it's a crazy fucking world or something to the effect. gets blown gets away. Gets his yeah. brain, brains blown, which was genuinely shocking. It was. Because um, you don't see the gun. No. You don't see the movement toward the gun. Nothing. No, and I, but I was also shocked that Jay was just going to go back to his family. I'm like, because you know, that's, yes. that's the brilliant thing that they play here where Josh calls this audible that you find out the twist as it's happening uh, where he's like, I'm going to meet with my family and I'm going to find a way to give testimony that will satisfy the system. I'm going to tell them everything they want to hear, mm-hmm. but I'm going to forearm the defense so that they can they have an easy answer for everything and, I'm, and they're going to get my uncles off. Um, legally, not sexually. Although a Smurf on the table, you never, <laughs> you, you never know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm right so far, right? But then when he goes back to live with his family, I'm like, this seems like a bad idea. So the, the bad idea part, I agree. The bad idea part comes from her trying to kill him just scenes earlier, right? Yeah. Sending in a hit squad to witness protection to try to take him out. Yeah. How much... Is family an important factor for her? How much is survival of the fittest a factor for her, right? Like, is is this hug, her, her very normal, everyday reaction to seeing family, this hug, is that menacing? Is yes. that accepting him back into the family? Uh, is that a, a way of asking for forgiveness? I mean, what what is that hug? Man, I don't know. <laughs> and... Seeing, I guess, Darren's lack of reaction in this scene is interesting as well. I mean, obviously, we know he doesn't really want any part of this crime stuff. He's just going along. But him not reacting, he, he does this a couple times. When when Nicole is being smothered oh, or injected, he's like, no, uh, Danny, Pope, why are you what, killing her, mate? Pope, why are you killing her? Pope, what are you doing? You, you ain't got a killer. <laughs> Yeah, no, and then when and he's he just, just sitting starts, there on the couch watching it happen. Then we just start smothering her. It's like the same thing. Like you know, again, he doesn't have this presence of. I mean, he's physically bigger. He could, yeah, he could crush Pope without a problem. Sure. But he's mentally and emotionally and leadership wise uh, more stable, more capable. Yes, but but I'm I'm talking about no. He from a leadership and emotional strength standpoint, he's a weakling. He's the baby of the he's, family he's, in every sense of the word. I feel like he's got his head on more straight than Pope, though. But he, I mean, a person with head on straight would weak, go up there yeah. and, and, and smash Pope before sure. he does that. But, sure, he should definitely do that. And he knows he should do that. And but that's the thing, like, so... He doesn't do it. So if J- Jay kills, J- kill, he kills Pope. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say he kills Smurf. Or, or let's say he doesn't. Then what? Okay. Like, if he goes straight, he's still got a dead body with its brain splattered out in the room and he's also you think the cops are not going to be like you know these crooked cops are not going to be like oh well well the family got away from us once again those duke boys coo 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 you know like this isn't boss Mm -hmm. hog like i feel like this family still got a target on their back is killing pope enough like do they look the other way that's a good question i mean jay's still a minor Mm -hmm. um you and know, we know what that is, the one they were really after was Pope, right? What, what does Guy Guy Pierce think about that? If he like, sure. you know, would would say, "Hey, I just killed my uncle because my uncle tried to kill me." Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine there would be some consequence to pay if they if they knew that for Jay. So that's the thing. Like, I feel like he had to kill his uncle Pope because there's no way you could ever trust. Like the next time this Pope figure felt a little bit of police heat on him which I think is inevitable since we're dealing with the crooked cop department and they're not just going to give up, then Jay's going to be right back on the chopping block. Yeah, the other question is, why did he kill Pope? 
Is it totally out of revenge for killing his girlfriend? Is it to protect the rest of his family who he sees as less involved? I think it's the Reese's peanut butter cup. It's both of them. I have both of them and they, 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 yeah. they go great together. It's revenge mm-hmm. for the brutal way that he treated his girlfriend. It's re- it's and, and, and also with himself. Cause he tried to kill, he tried to kill Jay at least twice. Um, and yeah. then it's also protection. Like I'm never going to live in fear of you anymore. And that's the other thing. Like, so let's say he doesn't smother Smurf. Mm-hmm. One way to Smurf could look at this is if I let Pope, if, if, if Jay hadn't killed Pope, it's just a matter of time before Darren, my baby gets put on the chopping block. And I think mm-hmm. she's rational enough, rational enough to see that. I think so too. That's where I go is, this is kind of going to be water under the bridge. But she's also kind of unhinged so that, like, even if she's like, I appreciate what you did for Darren, baby, but I'm still going to <laughs> knife you in your sleep one of these days because uh-huh. you have to answer for the death of Pope. But but she's also all about her family, right? Like, there are so many conflicting ideas in here that, that give you... I don't I don't know if they're necessarily conflicting, but they're interesting points of view. The idea that she would try to kill Jay to preserve her own freedom, her own or, or her children's safety and freedom. Yeah. Um, and then the idea of how important her children are to her, like how much does that extend to Jay as a grandson? Plus that's a criminal mindset of like, even if something like, like how many times you see Michael Corleone say, that's a smart play. That's the good play. That's the play I would have made. If I was that guy, mm-hmm. I'm still going to kill him because yeah. to do otherwise is to invite, the accusation of weakness, which is fatal in this game. And I feel like Smurf kind of rolled that old school by the end of the movie too. Yeah. I felt like the family was out of the crime business at the end. I mean, there is basically no family left. It's Darren who wants no part of it. It's Smurf who who really doesn't have the means for it. absolutely would have continued doing some kind of thing. Because even even Baz is like, look, man, you take your money you got and you invest it in the stock market. And I thought maybe one of the things was going to is going to be a kind of commentary on the economy that that Bass is going to lo- lose everything, all right? And have to go back to the life of crime. Yes, like that's like this is uh-huh. the last heist. This is the you know, this is the infamous last heist after your last heist because your 401k tanked. Yeah, gotcha. You know. But it didn't go that way. But you know, it's like I'm saying like that's something he trusted and respected and was saying, "Look, you don't have to do this anymore." And he's essentially said, "F you." In fact, Pope is so hard to get a read on this movie. I've spent the next 30 minutes thinking he gave Baz up to the cops. He is actually some kind of double informant oh, yeah. agent. There was that whole thread because hmm. he had the really weird reaction to that. I don't know that there's anything that says he didn't. Well, frankly. when he when he when he posseed everybody up to kill the two <laughs> the cops, it's killing? like that yeah. seems. I but guess. then again, if the guy is just crazy yeah. and paranoid, and he forgot what side he's working on. I mean, you can't say, yeah. you can't say definitively. And that's, I think that's kind of cool because when you watch this a second time, you start pondering those questions all over again. And it's one of the rare films I thought held up to that. Like, okay, when I'm going through, you know, the second time I saw Inception, I felt like I don't need to see this again to answer any more questions. I yeah. had some questions. I had some things I was fuzzy on. I got those cleared up. I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Not to take anything away from that movie. This one, like, the questions I had still, like, yeah, I can see it from that angle. Oh, maybe I could. uh, You know, I still, like, maybe Jay did kill Smurf. Maybe Pope was working for the cops at some point, and he just 
lost yeah, track of of the game he was playing. I think that's where those character ambiguities make this a more interesting film. Yeah. If, if you had very defined motives for everyone and you knew what they were thinking at all times, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. Yeah. Um, and so the, the idea that you can question, oh, well, what is Smurf going to do next at the very end of this film, I think is a bonus. It's a, it's a plus for this film. Yeah. And I, I have a very clear idea that Jay has solved the family's problem by killing Pope, and now this family is going to try to survive in another way that is not crime-related, is not armed robberies. Yeah, it's weird because, like... But I could see it another way. You don't... Like, you could probably come up with an argument that would convince me uh, of another possible outcome. Yeah. I also thought that, um, you know, again, I think this movie has got a pretty special first watch uh, impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And largely, like, you know, things were tense as hell the first time you watched, like, the uh, major crimes unit you know, getting to drop on the witness protection units and like them debating and not knowing whether all these officers are going to get shot, whether Jay's going to get shot, what's going to happen. That wasn't as intense. And obviously yeah. the, the twist that they have in the end where, you know, Jay kind of turns state's witness, but with a, with a twist. And then when he ends up killing Pope, those things, but like Nikki's execution mm-hmm. still was really gripping and intense for me. Yeah. Yeah, you watched it twice. I didn't get to watch it twice. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, no, I that again. I <laughs> there's a lot of things that still work, and I, I think it up. It, it definitely rewards multiple watches. But um, it's one of those things yeah. where it's like this is one of the very rare occasions where you can't really put the genie back in a bottle. If if you read mm-hmm. like a very dry description of this plot, you're going to rob yourself of some really great cinematic moments. I hope everyone listening to this didn't do that. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, that said. You know, the, the film is kind of carried on the back of the actors, I feel. Um, there's nothing particularly spectacular about the plot. It's just the way that people portray these characters. No, but like if you know Smurf is going to be what she is at the end from the beginning, it takes a little bit of the magic act away. Yes. And also I, I, I think like I can still see that on multiple watches, but if you never got that initial watch, I think... You know, some of these performances are, you know, uh, it, it's the writing um, mm-hmm. and the direction and also. But, yeah, a lot of the performances I don't <laughs> yeah. think would work as well if you just knew everything to go in. and But you didn't get the art to go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just read the synopsis. Sure. So, yeah, don't don't do that. I hope people didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got a pretty tough question for you. Okay. I want to know as far as like the pantheon of crime films, if you were to put this up in the gallery. Uh, where does this stick? Wow. I've, I've thought about this for a little bit. Well, it's not going to dethrone the Godfather since I've seen that like 50 times and I can watch another 50 times and I don't know why I don't get bored watching the Godfather. It's like, I feel like when I look at the watch the Godfather, I'm looking at a really great painting and I can, Mm -hmm. you know, dig out new details every single time I do it. Um, it's not as good as like Goodfellas or even Casino. See, okay. So, so but Casino, so, you're starting to get close. I, you're, you're getting real close. So in my notes, I have, we just recently watched A History of Violence, better than A History of Violence. Okay, certainly. sure. Uh, well. I also have not quite. It's, it, but it's, that's also in the same vein, that it's more of a psychological look at film than a, you know, than, than a very plot. Like, you know, Godfather's driven by yeah. plot and performances, where history of violence in this film is dri- driven by psychology and performances. 
yeah, I I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it as much as okay. um, this. I I also have not quite as good as Goodfellas. Not quite. I Goodfellas is a very different movie, but it's excellent in what it does. Plus, just De Niro and Pesci just I, elevate yeah. that. There's star wad. I mean, there there's uh-huh. there's star power. Like. I, I I'm trying to think if uh, you throw I don't know Hugh Jackman in this or something or you know Hugh Jackman <laughs> no May, he's still with not. or without claws because <laughs> all I can think of is Wolverine. I mean, back I in him. the day of Pe- when Pesci and De Niro gave a shit, like yeah, yeah. they that they were just really yeah. Like look at like I, as far as like Casino, look at De Niro in like The Untouchables. Uh-huh. I mean, he's outstanding in that yeah, movie, yeah. and he's he's great in Casino. But like Casino is where I start to go. Okay, this is it's a different type of movie, but but it's about as good. I think like, Casino's or, the, the other thing is Casino's too long. That's you my, might be right about my that, yeah. my my crack on uh, Casino the movie is that yeah, that's well over two hours, right? It's it's a great film and mm-hmm. it looks amazing. It's got great performances, but I felt it didn't warrant the almost three hour running time. Yeah. Um, and then I, I look at stuff like a little more recent, like the departed and I go, this is about as good as the departed. I think this is better than the departed. I I think the departed is a little too over the top in this performances. Yeah. Like whereas this is so much more understated. Yeah. I I, I I feel real bad saying that, but Nicholson is kind of a detractor. And then when I, I remember when that movie came out and I remember everybody, there's a lot of people like praising his performance and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying anything bad about Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But like, you know, it's like comparing late, like, you know, just go giving Brando a blowjob in the Island of Dr. Moreau. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, this is, this is uh, not that anyone did. That was a terrible film. But yeah, this is this is him to like you know to this bloated mugging rubber face extent, and I'm talking equally about Jack Nicholson and sure, uh, yeah, his accent work. Oh my god, yeah, Jack Nicholson's accent in Departed, it's real bad, and I feel bad, you know, giving it, uh, giving this the nod over the Departed or maybe even Casino because like the actors in those are so good. Um, but the actors in, in this general, are really good. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, in general, I don't feel like those were their best performances. Um, I've definitely seen better work from DiCaprio. I've sure. definitely seen better work from uh, Alec Baldwin. Like, Sure. So I have to say this is slightly better than The Departed, and maybe just as good as Casino. Well, here's the thing. Ben Mendelsohn eats Jack Nicholson's lunch. Oh, if you're If God. you're stacking up, you yeah. know, kind of like guys who you're not sure how to feel about. <laughs> uh and are scary individuals like you know and oh, again yeah. jack nicholson on his best day in his best film blows mendelson out of the water but here yeah, the shining one of my all-time sure. favorite films and he's incredible yeah 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 but i mean yeah no that's the what elevates to me so yeah i think we're finding its level it's it's better i i found it more engrossing like because that's the thing like you know your watchability factor it's watchability is yeah. higher than casino I think so. And higher than Departed, but not quite the Goodfellas or certainly the God. The Godfather is another level yeah. above I all I mean, those. Scarface is up there with the Godfather. It's like... It's it, not... Yeah, okay. I'll go with that. I mean, I'm not going to say it's as good as the Godfather. I think Goodfellas is better than Scarface. There. Really? Oh, yeah. man. We're, we're going to have to do a top 10 list of, <laughs> of gangster gr- films. Gangster films? At some point, yeah. And then, like, where do you put the Guy Ritchie stuff? The silly, I over haven't the seen top. much of his stuff. So I've seen... 
Snatch. Um, you had to have seen Snatch, he's, right? He's Lockstock and yep. Two Smoking Barrels, right? Okay, Snatch, I've seen that. Rock and um, I've seen parts of Snatch. I haven't actually seen all of Snatch. Ooh. They're just a, they're just a different type of enjoyable movie. It's like it's not yeah. really fair to compare them to these other operatic works. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lockstock is more heisty. Yeah, you know, it's it's not. It's, it's cool. a little more tongue in cheek. Like in Godfather's some ways not and, cool in the way no. that like the Guy Ritchie films are cool. No, and this movie is not cool. No, it is not cool. It's, it's very but it's, uncool. But it's great. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I put it. That would be an interesting psychological. That not psychological. That'd be an interesting podcasting experiment to do, like a top ten, like just you know, kind of like we did the top ten from last year. Just spit them, spit yeah. them all out on paper, yeah, and then argue about it. Sure, Why not? maybe do some live watches of them since we'd have to watch mm-hmm. them anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a three-hour marathon casino live watch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. I mean, do you got anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. If you haven't seen Bloodline, I'd go watch it. If you if you like Ben Mendelsohn in this, I yeah, but there it man. stands on his performance alone. If I didn't have Mr. Robot that everybody is uh, currently yeah. uh, crucifying us for missing, and uh, if missing? I did, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. like that we're not we're we. Someone said on the forums this weekend that Mr. Robot is first season True Detective as far as us missing out an opportunity to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, you can't do that though because. You realize if we tried to do that, we'd get yeah. far more misses than we ever got hits. I get it. But also, like, I think there's got to be a, hap- a, middle ro- a middle road, like, three or four episodes in, we're like, you know, bam, we're on the scene. Uh, I don't know how to mm. do that, but, you know, for the right, like, I wish we'd done it for True Detective. Like, if we started doing that episode three and caught episode four, like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I felt so good. But <laughs> And Humans is the other one that, yeah, yeah. that is getting a lot of buzz. So it's like I don't really want – because I feel like uh, Bloodlines has come and gone as far as a hype perspective. And maybe I can still get in and capture the zeitgeist of uh, a Mr. Robot or Humans. But Yeah, I mean, there will be more, season of, more seasons of Bloodline, certainly. Uh, you can catch up later. But yeah, thanks to Tim Michael for uh, commissioning. Uh, you have much to be proud of, Australia, for this film. Yeah. Uh, it's like I said, we've done, I feel like, between this and Holy Smoke, we did the... did The, the, the two the best Aust- Australian Aust- films <laughs> ever made. Uh, yeah, no, we've had the, the, the Aussie double feature. So thanks for turning us on to that. Again, if you would like to find out how you can commission your very own podcast, make us watch something. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's terrible. Not many people pulled the terrible option. Yeah, uh, the tor- the the they the can make cinematic- us watch Mad Max for the double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> terrible Australian movie. The original, yes, the original. obviously. Yeah. Although a lot of people liked that, a lot I of people fucking hated it. Man, it, it might have been you had to be there at the time. I think so because the 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 budget problems of that are just a little. Mm-hmm. little hard to look past. But if you'd like to find out how you can commission your very own po- uh, commission podcast, go to baldmove.com slash shop. And uh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Big click fit, on big fat film reel. Click on the big fat film reel and we will watch two-ish hours of any movie or television show you'd like and mm-hmm. uh, give you our opinion on it. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs>